Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Well, I should say welcome to the first official podcast episode where we finally have a name for it. Went incredibly lazy with it. We're called That Milan Podcast. I'm Martino Cuccio. Alongside me, who hopefully will be here for almost every single episode, Matt Santangelo. Finally, we got it, guys. Um, just to quickly preface everything on where it's going to be. So right now, we are only on Spotify. So if you go and find us, That Milan Podcast on Spotify, be sure to go and follow there. You'll see the logo. It's very similar to the themes and colors that we have right now um, up on the screen in YouTube. It's also going to be uploading the full video as well. So very similar to kind of stuff that you might see uh, with other podcasts. That's what we are going to be doing. So you won't be missing out on any of that. Live recordings and episodes that we have on the YouTube channel will stay on the YouTube channel solely. We're going to have everything weekly um, on the Spotify. Hopefully, we're going to get on Apple as soon as possible and other podcast platforms. But for now, we are on Spotify. So all those asking... We are there, um, so be sure to go and follow. But first, Santangelo, how are you? I'm doing great. Um, just it's again, this team really dictates my mood, and <laughs> it's a great start for us. Three for three. We're gonna talk. And about you got it the away kit? I did. Yeah, I got the. Uh, this is actually Pulisic. So okay. okay. Um, yeah, there I got. Go. Um, probably gonna get Rafa home. I think I'm going to get okay. Champions League though. Because the lettering okay. is different. I wanted to see what the lettering was, and it's been confirmed. So I got another couple of jerseys coming my way. But, um, yeah, I got Pulisic on. I'm going to talk about uh, our American hero here who's uh, through yeah. three match days. has been very, very good. Well, he's an MVP of August for Milan yeah. was what the official announcement was today. So every single and, U.S. Uh, men's national team account. Sorry, go ahead. No, and, yeah, that's funny, too, because he, um, he posted, like, the video of, like, I guess Selena Gomez and a so, couple yeah, of so yeah, so Selena Gomez, Tyga, <laughs> and a bunch of other celebrities were at the LAFC Inter Miami match. Yep. Um, and then you know it was like great to see a bunch of celebrities interested in the sport in the US. And Christian basically posted on his Instagram stories saying, like, I wish we could get y'all to some US men's national team matches. Um, we'll see. They're playing countries like Oman, um, that I've never heard of, no disrespect. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of where where they're at with that. But let's get started with the main discussion, and this is something that we previewed, and the first episode uploaded uh, was with Wayne Gerard. That was a match preview. Um, we kind of basically detailed everything with that. We're not going to have every match preview up and available um, on audio. Again, that's going to be YouTube. But, man, it went exactly kind of the way we thought it would. Uh, you and I, and especially Wayne, you and I both had 2-1 to one Roma uh, Milan in this one. We thought it would kind of get chippy, as it did bunch of yellow cards, maybe a little bit more mm -hmm. one-sided towards Milan as opposed to Roma. I think Celic and a couple other players clearly had the same level of physical fouls that Milan did, but at the same time, it was only yellows for Milan, not so much Roma. Those kind of happened later on in the match. Uh, Milan completely dominated this game outside yeah. of the second yellow with mm -hmm. Tomori, um, which completely changed uh, the match on its head because Roma was up a man for nearly half an hour, and it was just really... Slim pickings with that, but I think Milan did a fantastic job of weathering that storm. 2-1, 3 for 3, 9 points out of 9, headed into the international break. Your overall thoughts, because this was supposed to be the first big test for Milan. Um, I was I was impressed. I think it was much of the same that we've seen in the first, or the previous two match days against um, Torino and Bologna, right? I think where, you know, this team is... Can, can attack, they can go at you a couple different ways. 
Um, and a lot of their performances, I think, are really stemming from a really stable, strong to, uh, midfield effort um, with Ruben Loftus-Cheek being probably, if not for Pulisic having the, the first couple of matches that he did and Leao doing what he did, I think you could probably make a case for Ruben Loftus-Cheek being the MVP of August for many people. I yeah. think the fact that he's added such a refreshing um, defensive solidity to the midfield as a great ball carrier, the veteran presence is there. Um, just you just when you watch the matches, you see the impact he has on the rest of the guys, um, mm-hmm. carrying the ball forward. Again, making sure we're organized. That he has that leadership type of quality that we that we really do need. And I think that he had a, another tremendous performance in this one. Obviously, Rafael Leao getting his. Um, his first bike goal, um, however you want to call it, bicycle. I know it wasn't like a full-on sure. bicycle, yeah, but it yeah, was an yeah. overhead kick goal. And I know, uh, you know, some of the, some accounts had some fun with that because he's been trying to get one of those in his uh, in his arsenal for a while now. And he got it. It was so a long, great goal. Um, almost looked like he was kind of like pulling off like a sort of boxing out. I know for those basketball fans and you as yep. well, he was almost like boxing out Chelik in the in in the area and then just kind of using his size, which I think is starting to become more obvious that it's very underrated. He's a strong player. He's not just some sort of frail guy that goes down. He's very physical and very strong. Um, and you're seeing how he's able to use that in the box there for that goal. So, um, But I think the one thing that really stood out to me in this game, and I actually tweeted mm-hmm. about it this morning after I had some more time to di- digest the overall performance, look back at a couple of things defensively because that's been a focus for us for um, really since the summer, summer months. Um, Malik Chow, I mean – the type of performance that he's been putting in or have been so steady. And this is the this is a 22-year-old defender who, guys, just as a reminder, um, he didn't play much in the first half of last season. He really kind of started to get that starting role um, towards that, that Champions League game against Tottenham um, and in the Milan Derby. So this is a guy that essentially has only been a starter for the club for basically a half a season. And he's putting in visible, strong performance performances um, so far to start the season. And we all knew that he was going to have to be a very strong presence in this back line, given the fact that, you know, Tomori had some struggles. Kalulu, we don't know if he's going to be tried primarily as a center defender. Has he's going to be mm-hmm. shifted into a fullback role? And obviously with Kair and Gabi, a lot of, you know, kind of un- uncertainties there last season. And coming into this season, we knew Malik Chow needed to play a pivotal role. And he has. I mean, the fact that he was able to be so poised, so composed when Milan had to play the second half of that match virtually down a player right didn't put a wrong foot didn't even put a wrong foot there was the one sequence um and i posted the video of it where it was tremendous roma's driving down the pitch um chow recovers the ball he wasn't even the one tracking the player with the ball he comes in basically takes it away in two seconds and that was a common theme throughout the night for milan was just getting the ball back from roma almost instantly even if they got the ball or were dispossessed at moments in time they got that back he goes upfield. There was a slight like bounce that was in favor of him. And then he plays a ball up to Rafael Leao all the way up the pitch was just, it was a phenomenal pass. It was just really something that we don't see too often. And it's not a shot at Krunich because Krunich, another one that we could praise yeah. for today or on Friday was just phenomenal for me then was that that ball played up to the side by a center back at the age of 21 driving up the pitch. And there was moments where Chow was also moving towards uh, the upper part of the pitch as well throughout the match. I mean, it just, it it starts a corner. That's just everything that you would want Mm -hmm. from a player like that. Um, But again, just like the physicality was great. Pulisic had a great shot on target saved by Rui Patricio. Um, I think Patricio yet again, just showing how much of a liability he really is for Roma. That penalty where Ruben Loftus-Cheek again, that, the link of play, 
is starting everything. It's almost like it's the first goal every single match that Milan have played so far this season starts through that right side with that link-up play. Yep. Um, again, and, and we have to remember, this is a side that was down a man for 30 minutes and had ample opportunity to score multiple times. Um, again, like you mentioned, that Rafael Lealgo was fantastic. Shout-out to Calabria on the cross. I think that was great as well. Um, but Leal's wonder goal, like you mentioned, that was something that he's been working on for a while. That was one of the things that I kind of predicted, not for this match, but I thought he would do it against Sassuolo because he usually has some interesting games against them, scored the fastest goal that he ever did. Uh, uh, actually, in Serie A history, it's still the fastest goal scored of all time. Um, was that goal against them? I think he also had the brace, the three assists against Sassuolo. So I was like, oh, if he's going to get a, a bicycle kick, it's got to be Sassuolo at this point. It, it's great that we have our best player beating up on the side that's been a, a bogey team for us for so long. But um, again, Jose Mourinho, the Pioli uh, interaction where Pioli is shushing Mourinho. Mourinho didn't even go to Roma's press conference afterwards. There was conflicting reports and rumors about what was going on in the dressing room and a reason as to why he didn't go to the press conference. Mm -hmm. But everybody knows they're visibly frustrated. Um, you know, one financially, point, there's point. issues. Yeah. There's a lot of things going on with them. Yeah. But they've started off with one point through the three matches. They're a disaster already, eight points behind Milan. If it wasn't for Lazio's win over Napoli as well, they would have been in a very similar situation to Roma. Um any final thoughts before heading into the break? I mean, everything that you could have wanted. Uh, your thoughts on Noah Okafor, by the way. I thought he was what his appearance was. It's just something that just doesn't pop up on Fought Mob as like, you know, man in the match type of performance. It's drawing fouls, hold up play, making key fouls against Roma. I think towards the end, one of the last fouls of the game, he commits mm -hmm. that so they don't get a true breakaway counterattack. Um, just overall, I thought he was so good. Again, down a man, not the easiest of appearances. Uh, for yeah. Chukwese for and Okafor to feature on. Yeah, you're down a man. You're not necessarily trying to push up and score. You're just trying to time waste as best you can, holding mm -hmm. a lead in a very tough environment against a Mourinho-led side. And we know the way Roma was playing is very easy to get frustrated. Your thoughts on his appearance? This is the type of performance that, again, is um, unconventional from an attacker that we probably want to see in a more um favorable situation to come on right to come on maybe be the player that makes the impact if Milan's chasing a goal it's tied or to maybe add to a, a, a lead um but in this game much like the same thing with Samuel Chukweze right like they're coming on or they were on when the game kind of completely switched to being um you know a 2-0 to now it's a 2-1 you're trying to just prevent get everyone behind the ball to fend and, and and see this one out you know especially on the road in the Olympico which again we all you know, me, me, you, and uh, Wayne spoke about how much, you know, this, this game was going to mean for Roma because they're at home. They needed to get a result. They didn't get the result. So being able as an attacker to switch on and be on, and understand that I'm not going forward. We're not going to be sitting here trying to press on and get goals. I have to do my part and understand my role within the team, within the game. And I think those assignments were very specific and very clear, clearly made by Pioli when they came on. Um, was like, I want to see you work. I want to see you press. I want to see you do the, the, the defensive uh, work to get to get the ball and to keep things, um, you know, organized for us. And I think that's what we saw at Okafor. And then you said the, you know, the tactical fouls he did um, in the dying stages of the game to see this one out. Um, absolutely crucial. And I think that there's a clear um, sign and signal from what I see through three match days 
that a lot of these players are really buying in. I think the Okafors, the Chukwezes, where, yeah. you know, I saw Chukweze get a little bit of criticism because, you know, he's not had, like, the fastest start. He's not really putting much. But I think the games that he's come into, yeah. Milan have been, in, have been in, in positions of advantage where it's like, are you kind of just seeing it out? You might go for goals if it's there. But in this game, for you to judge a player like Chukwez and Okafor on their yeah. sort of attacking metrics is is silly and foolish and naive and, and really short-sighted of what their actual assignment yeah. was in this match. So overall, I thought this was um, maybe not exactly how I expected it going. I know we got the results right. I didn't expect Tomori to get the I mean, it was with. Milan dominated. They got two goals. There was a penalty yeah. involved in Milan-Roma, and then Roma get, like, a consolation goal towards the end. Spinazzola scoring in the 90th yeah. plus two minutes. Um, again, that's basically – and he was torching Calabria for most of the evening as well. Yeah. But, again, it's totally different, that dynamic and expectations of players. I totally agree with you on that final point before we move on was just that. And I mentioned this on the Sempre Milan podcast with Ali and Torgrud, and Ali also made – the same point that we're making is that, okay, what do you want them to do? It was like 90-something degrees against Bologna. They're up 2-0 already after the mm. first half. They didn't go inside. They got no proper air conditioning and rest. That's really difficult to come on in, especially first match of the season. Chukweze didn't have that entire preseason tour. Same thing that goes for Noah Okafor. We, we know and talk about how difficult that can be for players. Um, and again, 4-1 against Torino. We're not trying to score. We're just trying to see this game out. We don't want anything else from that. If we have an opportunity on a counterattack, mm -hmm. that's great. If not, no big deal. And then again, with this situation, you're up 2-0. You're away at the Olympico. You cannot be caught out on a counterattack trying to, you know, no. go at players with the way Chukweze and Okafor play. And I thought Chukweze did fine. Like, the ball is being blasted upfield. He has to try and win a header over pretty tall defenders. Did a fine job with, with link-up play or just trying to lay it off drawing fouls. That's all you can want. And and that's just coming from people that truly don't understand the situation and the nuance of stuff like that because they think it's black and white. And they honestly don't watch the games. They just don't. Like, that's, they see that's the what foot mob scores and they see it, his games. He's got 70 minutes, no dribbles, nothing. And they're like, this guy's supposed just, to be a game changer. For watch the match. Watch the match. Mourinho's trying not to 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 win. He's just trying to salvage something out of it. Um, speaking of salvaging and, and just great navigation, um, Milan's wage bill for this summer. Um, made a video about it. Um, it's on my YouTube shorts, so go and check that out there. It's on Semper Milan's uh, socials as well. Um, basically, I was highlighting, and Semper Milan did a fantastic job of also highlighting this, of the wage bill for Milan. And... Is virtually the same as last year, but everybody comes to the consensus that what Matt Milan improved drastically um, yeah. on multiple fronts. And you start asking yourself, how do they do that? Well, there's a couple of reasons why I think some of them are mostly obvious. It was having another positive year, turning a profit, selling players like Sandro Tonali, um, and then obviously making a Champions League semifinal. But we'll pull up the graphic here from Semper Milan to begin with. So they do great work here. As you can see, these are the top 10. Uh, highest paid players with Milan. Obviously, we have some new entries this year, three of them being Chukweze, Pulisic, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, um, around $4 million net. Then you obviously compare that to Benacer, uh, Teo, and Rafael Leao, who are also the three highest paid players now. But the, the point in that is they all got extensions. So they're getting paid more than they were last year, adding those three players. Mm -hmm. So really... If you go off of last year's contracts, players 7, 8, 9, and 10 
all were getting more money than players one through six. So with that point, you're kind of looking at like, okay, Fick gets the proper amount of money. I think he gets paid very well, and it's a fair amount for what he produces for Milan, three and a half million net. Giroud, I think he produces well enough at his age. Florenzi, obviously, sort of not great deal for Milan, probably easily the worst one on the board here. And then Magnan, one of the three best goalkeepers in the world, is getting paid 2.8 million net. Mm-hmm. Matt, this is just fantastic i wrote it down on paper as well for the entire wage bill and types of players that they were paying um just getting more money just your overall thoughts of the top 10 paid paid players that are virtually the same wage bill as last year so what, what are your thoughts about some of these deals overpaid underpaid greatly paid like what are your thoughts on that top 10 there it's fair um then the wage bill feels healthier if you just look at it usually you can kind of get a sense of um you know, how the top 10 are. You can look at certain players maybe towards the lower lower part of the totem pole and say, like, ah, oh, this guy's getting paid way more than he probably yes. should. You know, the, the, guy, the backup goalkeepers where it's like, this guy doesn't play for us. Why is he getting $1 million per season? But yep. I think ultimately you try to compare it with the top 10 guys and you think, okay, aside from Florenzi, like all those players that we just mentioned either are top three to five players or going yep. to play pivotal roles for us. And so it only makes sense. And I think, you know, probably... Look, if we're able to get the extension done or renewal done for Magnon, he's going to probably climb up this list because I think that's the next extension that Milan's working on. Um, yeah. If they can fend off interest from the Premier League and maybe the Saudi League, because obviously worst case, right worst case, they could make a record on a goalkeeper. Yeah, worst so. case, they sell him for eighty million, ninety million, and it's a great deal um, for for our finances. Um, but you know, you look at where we've come versus where we were when it came to the wage bill. Players, you know, getting paid three and a half to four and a half, five million. You're like, do you want me to? Oh, I was going to read off some of the names. So to back up your point here. Okay. So these are just the top names all allocated. I didn't even put Tata Rusanu in this, by the way. So he was earning 1.2 million net, which is more than Pobega, Salamaker, Zadli, Gabia, Chow. Chow's getting 800,000 for the year. So starting center back on a Champions League level team fighting for the Scudetto, by the way, it's phenomenal. So here we go. Right. Divac Origi, 4 million net, would be tied for third in the team in wages, okay? Then we go to Serginho Dest, would be making uh, more than everyone from seventh all the way down. Um, CDK, 2.2 million. Rebic, 3.5 million. Bakayoko, 2.5 million. Utterly useless. Ostrovrangs, some talent there, but 1.5 million. Fotobalatore, 1 million. Messias, 1 million. Zlatan, 1.5 million to not play whatsoever. That was all allocated to 21 million net. Okay. Yeah. And then I didn't mention Tatarusanu in there. Um, Florenzi's not even listed as well, but we already mentioned him. Um, Tonali ended up leaving as 1.2 million, but that's just, I mean, it's just different. Um, so again, it's all of that money off the books. You bring all those players and improve the squad, Matt you're paying the same amount of money as last year. That is, yeah. that is phenomenal. And you're turning a profit. Uh, that, that is just an overall masterclass. So now that the window is finally over, add in Luka Jovic to this Pellegrino's in there as well. Um, and then obviously you could just add Musa to Johnny Reinders to Johnny Reinders, by the way, under 2 million euro per season. Okay. We listed all the players there. Bakayoko, CDK, Rebic, Dest, Origi, Florenzi all get paid more than Tijani Reinders does for the duration of this contract. Tijani Reinders has one assist 
He's already equated to what CDK did last year. He's done more than what Bakayoko has done already. Um, he's pretty much done more than what Florenzi did. I don't believe Rebic contributed that much. I think it was at the start of the season. Couple goals, and, yeah. and again, Tijani is a midfielder. Comparing that to some of the forwards. Matt, I mean, this was just a masterstroke. So what, what were your thoughts on the overall market on top of this wage bill discussion? Um, the wage bill, it's it's refreshing to see. We've, you know, look, we've seen the type of players that have walked through the doors of Milan Nello. We've seen what they've made relative to what they actually produce. And it's it doesn't require much more conversation. We, we know that certain players are getting extremely overpaid. Um, you mentioned Rebic, but even before that, right? Like it took four to five years for Milan to really gut this wage bill, clean it up, polish it, and have it in a position where the players are being paid relative to performance and the players that are, you know, maybe newer, that still have something to prove, that are signing from, you know, others, maybe smaller clubs, they're not being overpaid to bring, to come here. And I think now that you look at the way this wage bill stacked up, um, Milan looks sustainable. They look like a sustainable project financially, and that's refreshing. I mean, you know, I think people talk about the quality. We can talk about all these sorts of things, and I, I, I get that. We want to, at the end of the day, get results on the field because that's ultimately mm-hmm. going to be the, the driving force here. But the fact of the matter is Milan have to be able to compete financially um, within their confines of what they have. And I think what obviously what Serie A is able to allow them to do and financial fair play is allowing them to do because we know the rules aren't always applied the same and Milan don't have the coffers of a city or some of these other Premier League giants. So the fact that Milan are able to get, in your point, better with virtually the same wage bill, it's a testament to this to this management. We can we can be angry, we can be upset with the way the summer began. And I wrote an article mm-hmm. about this, you know, they were very rash uncomfortable, sporadic decisions made and everyone in that moment was pissed. We came on here, we discussed it, we were rightfully pissed and I don't regret anything I say. Yeah, PR. No, I don't. I think think the only thing... I would. I. I don't think I regret anything I would say. No, it's 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 the emotion in the it's the emotion in that moment and that's how I felt. But I've had months to reflect on it and. As much as I would have loved to see Tonali stay, as much as I would have loved to see Paolo Maldini stay, at the end of the day, when you look at the end result of those decisions to let Maldini go and Mazzara obviously followed them out and sell Tonali, yeah. this market doesn't get funded without a key player being sold. You don't. You, so who is it going to be? Is it going to be Magnon? Is it going to be your star keeper? Is it going to be Teo Hernandez, who's a top? Every every top club, well, every, top club every top club, every top club has done your this. Star player layout? Is it going to be one of those guys? Because those are the guys that are going to affect you the most. Mm-hmm. Is someone had to go in my eyes? Of course. You don't, well, you don't we'll to accelerate the... the project and what fans wanted, and yeah. to continuously get into the top four. They just scraped on by. They got fortunate on a point yeah. deduction. Whatever. I counted as karma for getting us back after what happened 13 yeah. years ago or 12 years ago, whatever the hell it was against Juve. Okay, so like I, I just like to say we got something to break our way in terms of that. We know we missed top four on final match days where Inter looked like they were about to slip up. We couldn't take control of that. Yeah. Milan did that here. Um, and again, I just... I, I did, and one thing I initially did right away, and it was the first thing I tweeted too, the second Maldini was sacked, was like, Let's give Moncada and Ferlani some time here. I at least afforded them that and said, let's let's back them. They didn't have much say in this. This was a Jerry decision. You know, Ferlani was CEO at that point. He was appointed in December, replacing Gazidis. Um, you know, 
this is how they wanted to do their business. Um, and to be quite honest with you, I don't know why fans came to this expectation uh, to think that there was just going to be a lot of capital injected into the squad. If you look at the transfer market business now, I think Milan are around minus 55 million in terms of expenditure. So we're talking about market moves. This is net transfer spend. They're down in the red by 55. But, but that's where the budget was initially. So if you really look at it, what they were supposed to have, the rumor was around 50 to 60 million um, in, in that case, which was just qualifying for top four. Here's your money. If you want more mm -hmm. money in the market, you have to sell players. That's what they did. They cut wages. Cutting wages, guys, by the way, significantly opens a lot of things. So you're really just getting rid of dead contracts at that point. I thought they did pretty well on sales uh, too. Like what, what do you want for some of these guys? Like Macias Rebic, we talk about the high wages. Even getting that option with Divac Origi. Um, I will say this people, you can't put it as a 10 because I think a 10 is just no. something that you have to look at in reflection. You can't say it up front. I will say this was an eight and a half. Um, there's still holes on the team. I didn't love what they did with the left back situation, but here's my point of contention to that. How the hell is it supposed to be a 10? If you admit that the resources are not there. The resources to carry out a 10 out of 10 market means you addressed every single need possible, got reasonable deals, and integrated into the squad well enough that they fit into your formation and style. So with that, heading into the summer, Matt, how were Milan supposed to have a lot of those things? The majority of it was funded by the Tonali sale. There needed to be some sort of sacrifice. The way Milan was going about business for so long and the level that they wanted to get to was not attainable without making a move like this. Real Madrid have sold star players in the past. Chelsea more recently have done it. You see Manchester City cut ties with younger players that are pretty talented, losing a Gundogan and a free. Can you imagine if Milan lost, like what Milan did with Frank Kessie? It was the end of the world that they lost him. It's in Saudi it's Arabia more, right now. It, 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 yeah, and, and I think too, it. I think, you know, it's interesting, right? Because we... You know, we look back on, you know, the missed opportunities to sell players that maybe the opportunity was there to extend them. But realistically speaking, regarding their demands at the time for GGO and um, in Kessie, like that, mm -hmm. we weren't ever going to be able to match those numbers. They all would have been the number one high pay player on this current squad. On this current team. Structure, on this current team. And you look at that and you think, okay, yes, those players left for free. Yes, you never want to see your top couple players on the team leave for free. I get that because Milan couldn't afford that. But look how common it is in the sport now. Look how prevalent it is in the sport now. Players are leaving for free and it's like, you don't even bat an eye. I mean, you talked about Gundogan, like in most cases, I mean, not that City needs the money. They're not starving or sweating the the, the money that they couldn't, they could have gotten on a sale for a Gundogan. But players are leaving for free from clubs and it's almost like you don't even bat an eye. The greatest player of all time for left for free. Yeah, play, players are leaving for free. Players are saying, "Y'all, I'll run the contract out, I'll, and I'll have more time to pick my pick my next destination." They can negotiate with their agent to get better commissions. Oh yeah, it's it's. Well, again, that, that's the commission part. Not, that's the commission part. You're you're talking about it dead on. That's the most important factor here. Who is advising these guys and uh, facilitating yeah. all these deals? Agents. Who has more to lose in these deals than anyone? Agents do. Agents. Because, because of the fees, the commissions that they get, um, which is supposed to be a FIFA thing on October 1st. So whatever the stuff happened with Taremi, I think if they got Taremi, it's like a 9, 9.5. Jovic. 
that's kind of what I wanted to get to. Was oh uh, yeah, well okay. So like, what what did you verdict? want to discuss? Okay. Um, I you said eight point five. We know it's not ten because that would be literally an immaculate window. And for all the good that we've done, it's not an immaculate window because you Hell mentioned no. left back Pellegrino. We don't know what he is going to be at central defense. defensive defense. Defensive midfielder. Maybe he's a Pellegrino's maybe a Malik Chow type who costs us seven million in total fees, right? Like so, maybe Pellegrino's that type of player. We can look back and maybe in a year, two years, and think, well, if Pellegrino panned out the way we think he could pan out or hope he could pan out, now we can maybe bump this score up, right? If Pellegrino's the type of player that you know turns into like a Malik Chow two point for yeah. us, right? But we really have to see out a lot of these transfers towards the midway point of the season when we get to the Champions League games when we get to the end of the season and ultimately maybe yeah. in a year or two when we let some of these guys sort of you know get that time to fulfill themselves like Yunus, Yunus Musa for example so with all that being said with the a failure to get to Remy and maybe a more of a like true difference maker to be the yeah. vice Giroud I would probably put it somewhere between like a seven and a half eight which okay. I think all things considered I feel very good with that number I think if you told Milan fans at the start of the summer before they kicked off any signings we are sacking Maldini, we are selling Tonali, and we are going to have an 8 out of 10 market, and we're going to be off to a 3-0 no start, I think Milan fans would have said, okay, I'm in. Yeah, I'll take it. So I'm going to go 8. Okay. Very similar um, in the rankings there. We're yeah. approaching the 30th minute here, so we're winding on down again, guys. If you have not already, subscribe to the yeah. YouTube channel, follow, comment, give us your thoughts, and give us your rating for the transfer market down in the comments below. Um, definitely want your guys' feedback. You have been phenomenal in, in all regards to that. Live streams still have been fantastic. It's so much fun to do that. Hopefully, because people were asking Santangelo for you for post-live stream, but I was like, they played on a Friday. Matt works at a different schedule than I do, so he wasn't able to hop on at that point. And it was a holiday weekend over here in the States, so like mm -hmm. I really wasn't going to wait and bug him for like a 6 p.m. live. Also, that's the conflicting stuff for us guys, just to preface all this. If we're over here in the United States, 6 p.m., there's a lot of you out in Northern Africa, Europe, all over the world, um, India, Indonesia, a bunch of different places. Um, you know, it's late for you guys over there. So we're not always trying to go live at certain times. Like if it's on the weekend, yeah. it's easier. But um, Matt does plan to be here for almost everything if he can do so. Worst case, you could spend some time with me if you don't want to. I totally get it. I mean, I was just talking about myself for like an hour straight reading your comments. I, I get it. Um Ramble Tangelo has nothing on me when it comes to the solo live streams. Um, but yeah, I mean, the support has been phenomenal. Um, like I said, go and follow all the other people regarding that stuff. Uh, we should be having a guest on next Thursday. Um, I, I won't reveal the name just yet. We want to get a confirmation on that. And once we do that, we'll have a preview for Inter. Uh, again, yeah, so match day in the Derby. It's going to be massive for that. Still some time beforehand. Uh, but yeah. Milan's market closed, looking pretty good after three rounds. I would say it looks like a trident competing for the Scudetto. Juve had a little bit of an easier schedule, had that draw at home. We'll see how they handle things throughout the rest of the season. I think they'll be on the outside looking in, but they're going to be right there for the most part, feasting on uh, some of the weaker teams. By the way, Empoli look lifeless. It's not looking good for them. Um, I'm not sure how much of them you've watched. Uh, again, yeah. So Milan looking great. Again, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Santangelo. I'll let you plug all your stuff right now. I had um, at Matt underscore Santangelo on Twitter. Anything else, other pieces that you're coming out with? Um, 
yeah, it's everything's going to be on Twitter. You, you've seen it, the handle in the, the ticker down below. Um, I just put out an article um, kind of talking a lot about the same similar stuff that we've rehashed here regarding the market and some of the additions we've made and trying to sort of rationalize why things were done the way they were. Um, that was for Football Italia. That was been posted. So I'll yeah. share that in my timeline again so you guys can check that out. Um, and I've been putting up some more, um, I guess, detailed tweets. Like I did one on Marek Chow. I did one on Rafael Leao. Yeah, um, because Buddy got Twitter blue. He wants some cash. That's why. Yeah, everyone's got to eat, man. I'm trying to get that yeah. Chipotle bowl, bowl money. Uh, go, <laughs> um, go for it. But, but yeah, so I've been putting out some different stuff, just some different content to try to sort of stir the pot, get some engagement, you know, cause more interaction with you guys. So um, everything is on Twitter. Um, I'm going to be putting out some Serie A fantasy content as well. And, of course, some more stuff for um, – for Milan reports um, over the next week, week plus, while I have some downtime with international break. So um, thank you for the support, everyone. And also one last thing. I know I'm rambling mm-hmm. here in trademark Doesn't fashion. Um, if you are in the area for any of the, like, Milan, North America, like, or outside of North American meetups, go support those supporter groups. Uh, I know Montreal, you have Toronto, you have Houston. Shout out to Presidente, have, yeah. Uh, Presid- you, you have philly you have new york like there's so many like groups that if you're a fan and you're looking to get into a community of milan fans that are like you that love this club that are very excited for the season um go go check it out on twitter see where their meetups are see when they're happening i know the guys at ac milan club new york i'm trying to get out down there for the derby i don't know if i can but go support the supporter clubs um they do a great job they're passionate they're very welcoming i know they've done that for us over the years and um you know yeah chicago san francisco pacific yeah. northwest dc is great with nathan that we've had on before tour group shows I've up seen there ac milan club there. miami i think miami is pop, propped up um go say hi to carlos if he's by there hmm. um yeah there's a bunch of different clubs uh, in chicago as well i know demo's involved with it uh nicholas Develis, um who we've talked to i think our good friend miguel still lives out and by chicago as well they do a great job over there there's a ton of you know um Serie A fans from what i understand so everybody does a really great job and again shout out to our guys milan club dublin always showing support oh, yeah. fantastic guys i believe ollie as well if you guys are in the uk was visiting the london club so he was there with steph they talked about it on the Semper milan podcast which you guys should also watch and subscribe to um, yeah, there's so many different things. And again, if you're a little bit newer, if you're a team U.S. men's national team fan, um, a U.S. men's national team fan, that's something that you're interested in, trying to get more involved in the club. Put it this way. No American, okay, I'm telling you right now, no American has played for a bigger club than Pulisic and Musa have been playing for right now. Chelsea ain't bigger. Dortmund ain't bigger. Just letting you know. The culture and the vibes around everything here is far greater than anything you will experience rooting for the other teams. Just letting you know right now, we are so massive and people get so annoyed at us and what fans do and the chance have that the FIGC is opening an investigation against Yassine Adley and Rafael Leal for their for their Perketiama chant. Uh, which, by the way, has been around for decades, in case you didn't know. So, um, I don't know, maybe wisen the F up a little bit. And uh, worry about some of the stuff that was going on at the Olympico, including racism and then a a, a little child being berated and abused because he's wearing a Milan jersey. I just, it basically surmised Serie A to its core. Uh, But again, incredible stuff. Santangelo, thank you so much for joining as usual. Again, guys, that Milan podcast is the name. Follow on Spotify, subscribe to YouTube. Other than that, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time.